Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! And I'm feeling very grateful. That you're still with us in 2024 because it was touch and go for a while there. Oh, jeez. I feel embarrassed. Do you want me to tell them what you did? No, I feel embarrassed by my medical condition. But you know, once you share a secret, it can't it can't hurt you. So <laughs> I'm dealing with some verrucas. Have you been swimming without a veruca sock on? Swim free. So I went into a big boots, which is a chemist. They have a wide assortment of these bazooka. It's like a, a wart removal cream, right? The slogan is bazooka that veruca. So I buy the Cadillac version because I really want it to work. It was four, 15 pounds. And for a couple of days, I apply it. And it really doesn't feel like anything's coming out. And so then finally, I decide to sniff it. It was like some very thoughtless version of, is this thing on? So I put my nose right up against it and I snort it. Now, I have never done cocaine. You've obviously seen the film Pulp Fiction. Yes. Can you picture that scene where Uma Thurman like <laughs> snorts the cocaine and is like, and whoa, the blood comes running and her down. head jerks And then they have back. to get the adrenaline It trench. was like, right. I mean, I feel that physically that's how abrupt my pull away was from. What if you now start a trend of people snorting bazooka? Well, this is how I started to bring myself down. Like, because first of all, this happened right before bedtime. And I thought to myself, really, if I'm being realistic, this can't be worse than like when people huff things. You know how they huff? What is huffing? I don't know. But I think like some drugs get huffed. I've never heard the verb huffing, except in the context of puffing and blowing the house down. Listen, you know, there's there are drugs like we think of like heroin, cocaine, meth. Crystal meth. Crystal meth. These things. But then, Molly. But then there's stuff like helium glue helium's the one that makes your voice go funny well i don't know i don't do any of these things because i get worried about the health implications i'm not sure that people do helium glue don't kids huff glue yes in 1981 but well i, I thought it was I still going sniffing, on not huffing fine sniffing huffing but <laughs> but I, people sorry. don't die listen this word people don't before. die yep. from one huff well so I thought to myself, I'm not going to die. And then you'd hope that the fear about dying would mitigate the annoyance that I've wasted 15 pounds on this fucking product <laughs> that's not going to work. But it didn't. That would be a and... terrible That would be a terrible deathbed regret. <laughs> well, I feel blessed that you're still with us. We should, um, we should tell them about our guest on this episode. This is um, our proof that we're willing to support the youth of tomorrow. I think they're the youth of today. Sure. The youth of now the the cr- the creators of now and tomorrow 
Our guest this week is Kat Sadler. Now, I have known of Kat for several years. It was just a name that I knew. If someone said Kat Sadler, I'd be like, comedy, but maybe more writing? That's what I would have said. Separate to this, there was uh, about a month or so ago, everyone started going, such brave girls, such brave girls. As it turns out, these things intersect because such brave girls is the smash hit BBC TV show that Kat both wrote and stars in along with her real life sister. So to get us started here, to walk us coolly, youthfully, excitedly into 2024, our guest today, creator, star, and writer of Such Brave Girls, Kat Sadler. Our New Year's resolution is to glom onto young people. Yeah, that's probably right. I'll tell you what I watch for my in-between days quick watch. Nolly. Now, this has been on ITVX for the best part of a year, but they showed it on terrestrial TV over Christmas. I only recently learned you don't use the phrase terrestrial TV in the States. I don't think so. But it is weird that we have this delineation of TV that comes from space and TV that comes from a big transmitter on a hill. <laughs> I just don't understand. I think I think you would call it basic versus cable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so they showed this on terrestrial TV. It's written by Russell T. Davis. And... It's about a soap star, Noel Gordon, a.k.a. Nolly. And she was in this soap called Crossroads. And can I stop you here? Is this like based on a real story? Is Noel Gordon a real person? Yeah, so Crossroads was a soap set in a motel near Birmingham. Now, as is pointed out in the show, we don't have motels in this country. That is only a word we know from American TV Uh and uh film. uh Now, to just give you some context, the most viewed show on British TV over Christmas was the King's Speech, King Charles' Speech. So this is everybody who watched that on Christmas Day, 7.5 million. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Crossroads would get 15 million in a country when the population was 11 or 12 million fewer than what it is now. Right. So absolutely huge. And these soaps would have these queen bee actors at the heart of them, these these matriarchs, these divas. Uh And Noel Gordon was that for Crossroads. And she was fired at the <gasps> peak of its success. And Nolly tells that story. Oh, okay. Because I walked in and out a couple of times where you were watching it, and visually it didn't pull me in. But that story does sound interesting. And it kind of gets at the, the misogyny that was at the heart of calling these actresses divas. Uh-huh. But at the same time... They were difficult cunts. <laughs> <laughs> so... No other cast member was allowed to sit in the chair that she would habitually sit in in the rehearsal room, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she knew all their names and their wives' names. Oh, that's interesting. And gave them nice gifts. Yeah, I always find that stuff like um, really blatant, starry behaviour, like no one else can use this chair, don't look at me, or whatever. That's always less problematic to me than sycophancy or like much more insidious forms that we now have of worshipping and enabling celebrities. Like, when we've been around celebrities, the behavior that I always identify to sort of unify celebrities is an inability to really focus on someone who's talking about themselves (laughs) or speaking about best friends who are also your employees. That kind of shit I, I find much more pervasive and much more dangerous because at least with stuff like that, we openly make fun of it. It's like, oh my God, can you imagine no one else is allowed to sit in her chair? Whereas 
this other shit we don't talk about it like it's insane here are the two questions that famous people should be asking themselves Mm -hmm. what percentage of your friends are other famous people Yes. And what percentage of your friends are on the payroll? Fucking yes. Oh, and I should mention it's a big star name playing Noel Gordon, Helena Bonham Carter. I know this because I saw her every time that that I walked into the room. Now, we've seen her in real life. (laughs) I think you genuinely thought it was a bag lady. It wasn't that she had a lot of bags, I don't think. It's that she had the air of someone with a lot of bags. And there was an amount of hair that was large. That really suggested life within the hair. <laughs> like it looked like... Like but it had its own a, ecosystem. Yeah, and not in a gross... But first of all, I'm saying this is the lady who's got all my warts going on. So who am I to judge like nothing, anyone else? Nothing else's, could nest in your hair. Nothing. There's not enough going on in my hair for anything to nest. Like occasionally, nits will go around at our son's school and we'll check him, we'll check me. But we never have to check you because no. I know nits would want to live in there. No, there's just not enough for it to feast on. <laughs> Um, but I wish her all the very best. And I think she's a good <laughs> I think she's like a good actor as well. So, you know, how did she do in this role? Yeah, so she's really good. There's a nice friendship at the heart of it. It says some stuff about misogyny. And Russell T. Davis is always good, so it's not an it's a sin, but it is uh, a very entertaining way to spend three hours across the three episodes. I'm not interested, but I'm glad that you enjoyed it. <laughs> Okay, so mine was an inadvertent quick watch that just happened to me. So I wound up having to do a lot more gift wrapping than I wanted to on Christmas Eve. And I turned the TV on and I watched this film um, by Todd Haynes called May, December, starring Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore, inspired by the story of Mary Kay Letourneau and Billy Falau. Do you know those names? I do not. Okay, so they were like household names in the in the 90s. She was a teacher who was like about 35, and she started oh, fucking her student yes. yeah. who was 13. Right. And she went to prison, got out of prison, broke her parole, like by fucking him again. Then she went back to prison for like seven years, had his babies in prison, and then they got together and they were together for decades. And then they broke up and now she's dead. Coincidentally, I, I saw a Facebook post from a friend of mine ranting about the, how they'd also happened across this film over Christmas and how terrible it was. Okay, so I disagree with the friends. The, the, the way that they fictionalize the story is that they're going to be making a film about this couple. And so Natalie Portman plays a movie star in the film who's going to play the Mary Kay Letourneau role. It's a so, film within a film. It's a film within a film. So she's like observing the couple to learn about the character so that she can bring it to life in the the best way possible. And so I think that's a really clever way of going into that story. And I think there's some good acting in it. And you tend not to be a fan of Natalie Portman. I hate Natalie Portman. I think she's bullshit. Like, I feel she goes in the same Claire Danes box with me. It's like these women are gorgeous and they like look at the camera and they like, have so many feelings. <laughs> But what are you fucking doing? It's it's such a hard no for me. I thought she I just think she's like nothingy and the same in everything I see her in. Black Swan <laughs> Closer. <laughs> I enjoyed the film Closer. I thought that was a really good film, but that thing where she was oh, like I didn't. Yes. Yes. I thought if you want that kind of thing, go and watch an Ingmar Bergman film and see it done a hundred times better. Yeah, but the, it was the Hollywood version of that, which mm. makes it more accessible and kind of stupid. And I enjoyed the accessibility and the stupidity of it. And I think, wasn't it based on a play? Yes. And I, you could hear some of the lines in it were amazing, but some of the acting 
was horrible. As is going to happen if you have Julia Roberts and Natalie Portman. They're bad. <laughs> They're so gorgeous. And I love looking and like I love watching Julia Roberts. She's terrible, but that's not the point. Whereas Natalie Portman is just a little <clears throat> and her husband seems like a cunt. <laughs> and I'm basing that on when they were promoing because they met. He was like a big ballet dancer and they met on the set of Black Swan. Uh-huh. They're still together. I take it as a personal victory if they ever get divorced. <laughs> and she, so I was, I was like reading all the promo they were doing when that film came out. And I read multiple articles where the journalists, and I'm talking people in Vanity Fair, people at New York Magazine, people at the New York Times, like these are not piece of shit journalists being like, um, when Mr. Millipier or whatever his name is, because he's French, when he showed up four hours late for our interview and then with an attitude problem, what I tried to ask, and all oh, of them right, were like, that. Right, I was like, right. thank you. I see you. So there's no I, reading between the lines to be done. There's no there. reading between the lines of any of these interviews that he did. So I think she's incredibly overrated. I think her acting is, is always the same and incredibly visible. Um, Natalie, if we ever meet and you're like a lovely person, I'm sorry for being a cunt, but you rub me the wrong way. I'm sure it's more about me than it is about you. Julianne Moore, we all love. Everyone loves Julianne Moore. Um, so there was simultaneously about this film a bizarre intersection of cheapness and expensiveness. In that they spent all the money on the famous actors. I mean, it looked cheap. Like Crossroads. Yeah, it looked like these two huge starlets were doing a made-for-TV movie. But then these weird little things would happen that felt like a really brilliant, eminent director making a choice. It's really confusing. I guess it's making some kind of commentary on how we treat people. I don't know what the fuck it's supposed to be about other than just the story, but I enjoyed it. It was a weird thing and an interesting thing to have on in the background. Well, we'd love a happy new year from you. Did you discover anything good on telly over the holidays? Also... Have you ever seen a famous person in real life that looks like they have their own ecosystem? <laughs> also, is the phrase terrestrial television used outside of the UK or is it one of these weird things that we do that we act as if it's normal? Also, seriously, what should I be doing about my verrucas and my ward on my finger? <laughs> I'm not joking. Please tell me. Ha- we have to have doctors who listen. It's not just the media elite. I'll tell you what I'd also like, based on Nolly. I'd like to hear from somebody who's worked in television. And we swear that we will protect your anonymity. Yes. Have you ever worked with somebody who's chair that you don't sit in or anything of that ilk yeah let's let's start the year off with like shitty gossip about big deal celebrities <laughs> or small deal and we really 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 will we're very trustworthy when you say please protect my anonymity we do that for people all the time we can even protect the celebrities anonymity no that's then i don't want to hear it it's not fun if you oh, don't okay, know who okay. it is has sarah got natalie portman wrong <laughs> And any examples of love the play, hated the screen adaptation. But seriously, just let me know what to do about my verrucas. The email address? Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. Now, do you want to mention the Patreon? It is the, the, the time of year when I often get into a very bad anxiety spiral about the prospect of going bankrupt. Look, I've been very generous with you and I have not pushed the Patreon across the last few weeks. The truth is, you're probably feeling very skint at the moment. It's that time of year. But I just know, I have always known, we have so many rich people who listen to this podcast. <laughs> and you you have a functional relationship to money. You have spare money. You're who I'm talking to for this month, okay? Every episode that we do in January, if you are a rich person, and you know what I mean by rich person, I mean that most people worry about money. 
either because they're a regular person or maybe you earn a shit ton, but you're terrible with it. And that's just part of your ongoing anxiety. I don't know your story, but I will even let you off the hook right now. But if you are someone with a good relationship to money and you have a lot of it, please join our Patreon. We haven't had a lot of joiners in the last couple of weeks because I haven't been pushing it. We need your money. Jeff is an overspender. He spends so much in December. It fills me with unspeakable amounts of anxiety. And so is that an impulse that he should curtail? Absolutely not. You should join our Patreon so that Jeff can spend all the money he needs to in December. That's part of his medicine. It's part of what he does. But then we pay the price by having tremendous financial anxiety in the first quarter of the new year. So you rich person who's very responsible with your money, you're going to help us out, out of the goodness of your own heart. I have not forgotten about my eye surgery. See, this is my eye, my issue that I want to work on. If I could go to the gym to work on my eye issue, I would fucking do that. I wouldn't be expecting you to give me money to work on my eye issue. I'd be like, I get it. I have to go to the gym for my eyes, but it doesn't work like that. Give me your money, three pounds a month, five pounds a month, But really, I'm talking to you rich people. So give us fucking 10 pounds a month or just the three. I don't care. Join our Patreon. Help support this lady and help support Jeff in his own financial struggles. Patreon.com stroke they like to watch. And coming up later, our first guest of 2024 is the creator and star of BBC Three's Such Brave Girls, Kat Sadler. We just watched the three-part HBO documentary, Love Has Won, The Cult of Mother God. It was excellent, and you should watch it too. So this documentary is about Amy Carlson, who is a former McDonald's manager who proclaimed herself Mother God. What we learn from her backstory is that sort of, at least as it's presented in the first part of the this docuseries, she seems to be like a relatively normal person. And then... She gets quite into drugs and alcohol Um, that, that leads her, you know, and I'm just I'm sad here thinking right now. I don't want to give too much away, but I don't think I am into it being unclear as to whether or not she also has a serious mental illness that makes her think that she is God. And she then successfully gets other people to believe that she is God. It's so good. I'll tell you what I really loved about it. I really yes. felt it was very open-hearted, open-minded, showed a lot of empathy without glossing over the insanity of it all. Yes. I thought, like, Hannah Olsen was the director. I'd never heard anything about her. She was brilliant. So this docuseries starts and it shows you this woman, Amy Carlson, her mummified body. And it's gross and it's strange. And the first time you see it, you don't quite understand what you're seeing. And that all happens in the first two minutes. And then across this series, you see how she got there. We're so different because it was the mummified corpse that hooked you in, whereas I had to look away from the screen. I wonder if there's something wrong with me because last night, we finished watching this last night. Then I I was so desperate for more that I I was like Googling like Amy. This is embarrassing, but I was Goog... No, I'm too embarrassed by it. But I was Googling Amy Olsen dead body. Really? Yeah. What what itch was that trying to scratch for? You? I don't know. It makes me feel really weird. I wouldn't and I would never, you know, I'm terrified of like accidentally falling onto the dark web. It's like a very big thing with me and I Oh would... my god, can I say what happened over Christmas? Oh. So 
one of our son's Christmas presents came from a music shop and I accidentally ordered the wrong thing. So I had to get in touch with Santa's elves to get the right things sent. Now, Santa's elves are a music shop in a town in England. And I am deliberately not saying the name of the shop nor the town, because this is what happened to me when I typed it into Instagram to see what their opening hours over the Christmas period were. A screen popped up saying, Child sexual abuse is illegal. We think that your search might be associated with child sexual abuse. Oh my God. To get confidential help or learn how to report any content as inappropriate, please visit our help centre. Now, I swear to God this isn't an elaborate... <laughs> cover up hiding in plain sight it is the name of this music store and now i think i've probably got some flag next to my name well but your recent social media posts have done very well this ongoing issue in our marriage is that your social media posts do better than mine so i think that you're not turning a blind eye like at least socially social media ee you are so much more likable than i am that even having been flagged for looking at inappropriate things you still get like double my likes if you go before me do you want us to leave you to go mummified no don't mummify me What I couldn't quite understand was what was so alluring about her, what was so magnetic about her, apart from the fact that she set up this quasi-commune where people were just drunk and high all the time. Well, it seemed... So, like, she was attractive, and that seemed to be some kind of component, but it seemed that she knew how to attract vulnerable people to her. And they weren't models, but they were attractive for a cult. They were Do you know what like, I mean? Yeah, like yeah, they yeah, said, yeah. they're cult attractive, like like the Bader Meinhof group were terrorist attractive. Yeah, <laughs> but if you say cult attractive, I'm picturing some like acceptable people in like robes. what I think of it as robes Kaftans. or like Quakery, maybe not Quakery, mm. but Amishy, that kind of thing. It these the, some of these women, especially in this cult, were attractive even by non cult standards. And and again, um, I understand that for some people, the the allure of all the drugs and alcohol and presumably a little bit of free loving what do we are we saying the same thing when we say free love i'm thinking people in and out of each other the phrase in and out of each other makes my gag reflex go but then some of the other stuff so for example she believed that the saints were dead celebrities. She called them the Galactics, and they were going to come and collect them. And the, the, the Galactics were led by Robin Williams yeah, of, so, of Patch Adams and Morgan Mindy fame. So there's a lot of talk about Robin, and it's like, well, Robin said this, or Robin did this. But then there were other faces of celebrities that they put onto like this Like Gene collage. Wilder, John Lennon, but, Christopher they, Reeve. Did you not feel that there was almost a pro-Trump quality that they were talking about at some point? Yes. If, if anything, this would be my only slight criticism of the documentary, in that I think I think there was some QAnon, Trump, uh-huh. right-wing stuff that the, the documentary maker made a decision not to show for whatever I reason. Because why. I trust this Hannah Olsen. Yeah, I really, really want to get good. in touch with her. Really I've done good. a lot of deep Googling. I can't find her on the socials, which is how I like to creep up on people. Do you think there's ever been an aesthetically pleasing cult? Oh, that's a good one. Landscape gardens. Oh. Mid-century Danish furniture. A single unified typeface on everything. Something nice and clean like a Helvetica or a Futura. 
gap in the market. You want to do for cults what Apple <gasps> have done for technology. I, I, I do think the modern day, like aesthetically pleasing cult, not to the extent you're talking about, are like certain influencers. Like I know this woman I went to high school with and she's a successful influencer. Like she's clearly an idiot. Like she's not saying anything, but women are paying thousands of pounds to like go on retreats that she has. And that, and it looks nice. And that's a cult. If you're spending two grand to go on a retreat to have this fucking moron tell you what to do with your life and eat her protein powder in the morning that's a cult yes but you you you're not severing family ties and abandoning your life and going living in a compound so just spending 2 grand so a moron can tell you nothing isn't a cult no i think it's a sliding scale i think it probably is it is a why cult. does she have people why are people paying her two grand? Well, why you, because why she, can't someone give me two grand for our Patreon? You, you need to start a cult. Who do you think is less pleasant to be around when they're hungry? <laughs> the late cult leader, Amy Carlson, mother of God, or you? Amy Carlson, when she gets hungry, is so... It, first of all, the answer is Amy Carlson. Is it? There are these scenes. Jeff was laughing at them. I am ultimately, in some ways, the more sensitive person here because you were laughing so hard. When she was screaming at her her cult followers because she was like, "This is my impression of Amy Carlson when she's hungry." Where's my chicken sandwich? <laughs> she said, that, "My vision, my vision was my, chicken parmesan." My vision was chicken parmesan. <laughs> and then they're like, "Mother is so overwhelmed by everyone." I was like, "By all the negativity in and humanity, like, she needs chicken parmesan." Yeah. They're like, she's is carrying so much anger for all of humanity. And so she's yelling at us about chicken parmesan. Um, I don't scream when I'm hungry. I just go a little bit quiet. And then I top myself up and then I'm right as rain. And by the way, what a joy to be married to someone whose medication is needing like a tiny bit of fruit. My medication is medication. Yeah, my medication is like, I need to go to the gym and eat a little bit of mango to even out my blood sugar. <laughs> I wasn't just laughing. I felt tremendous amounts of empathy as well. Did you feel a lot of empathy for that one girl? I don't think you did. Uh, I, she struck you as less vulnerable than some of the others. She's very entertaining. I mean, there's a reason that she was one of the star cult members, but you found her just funny. And I found her <laughs> a little less funny until like the very end. It was, I, I, I just find it so funny. <laughs> that she was talking about Mother God uniting humanity in a really like angry way when every other word is fuck. Yeah, that's part of why I want to, after watching Cult of Mother God, that's part of why, why I want to swear less because this one cult member, she was like, fucking mom is fucking carrying the weight of the entire universe. Mom is going to ascend, motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, I think this is the next um, I have been feeling for a while now like there's so much good stuff that people can be getting into specifically if you haven't gotten up to date on The Curse and Fargo both phenomenal but both of those are like many many episodes this is just three and it's spectacular and your life will be empty if you don't watch it do tell us about any documentaries or documentary miniseries that you've seen and you've thought to yourself why doesn't the world know about this the email address fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And coming up next. The youth of today. Writer, comedian, actor, star on the rise, Kat Sadler. Too much. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I know because of our exchange... That one of the other things that you're doing today is you had a meeting. I did. You're a hot young thing. Absolutely. Okay. And because of when you messaged me, I know how long your meeting lasted. <laughs> it was about an hour and a half. I was told it was going to be 20 minutes. So it went well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of meeting is only 20 minutes? I think they think I'm not going to have enough chat for some of the meetings I'm having. So they're, they're prepping me to be like not upset if it doesn't go longer than 20 minutes do, do, do you have chat in your back pocket for when you go into the meeting like i was thinking i'm going to talk about the cut on my chin i'll, I'll bring i'll drag that out okay has a little you say there's yeah. a little scab on your chin yeah. did you fall off your bike onto your chin I don't, i'm not allowed to ride a bike my mum's got a big fear about it so like i'm not allowed to have a bike are there many things that your mum forbids you from doing as, as an adult usually no so she's got that one thing that i think she just thinks i'm gonna die <laughs> so, so is the same rule in place for your sister lizzie I don't think you could get her on a bike. She's not a bike girl. She gets driven. She's driven by her boyfriends. Oh, yeah. okay. That's a good detail. <laughs> yeah. But this was from uh, a sleep scratch. Do you get anxious and scratch in your sleep? I often will wake up and sit bolt upright and scream, like let out a blood-curdling <laughs> scream. But I've, I've never like had it myself with my nails in my sleep. Is this a regular thing for you? Yeah, I do it up my legs and then I'll keep catching here, like... I don't know what it is. You need to sleep in oven gloves. Yeah, I was thinking about that. This is also making me, like, I'm getting through everything Kat's saying, I'm getting my answer to my first official question, which is that because you're such a star on the prize, you're the darling of the moment, you're being feted. You know, I was going to ask you if you feel, like, already that it's gone to your head, but I feel you're being so candid and open. I, I think you're staying grounded. That's a mad question to say, because I don't know what would go to my head. You'd but but nobody nobody you'd... thinks it's going to go to the head, but it often does. Right, yeah. And, yeah. and even when it does, people don't realise that they're being mad. I just want to say, for our listeners, like Kat is authentically presenting like she doesn't <laughs> understand what's happening. But I also feel like maybe in three weeks, we're just lucky because oh, shit. in three weeks... But that do you, what do you think, in your mind, what do you think is going to happen? So I here's, here's, here's what... I think here's what I think the BBC are going to be very happy 
that they've got a very authentic young voice as both a creator and a performer. Right. They're going to throw a second series at you. There's going to be a claim around that. And then as soon as, as, soon as that happens, that second series, uh, you, you, you're going to become a very accustomed to people treating you like a, a rare bird and your, your needs have to be met. And we have to do everything <laughs> to keep the talent happy because then she will lay us another golden egg. Um, that's where your life is going in the next And then in months. terms of your behaviour, like let's say let's say we see you in another couple of years with, with another thing. Okay. You'll come around and you'll be now you're like, hey. Because it's important <laughs> but, to you to come across that way. Yeah. But what will, like you seem genuinely sort of happy to be here and open and happy to talk and it's just like a joy. And another couple of years can <laughs> you'll come again and then you'll leave and and we'll both go she's acting like she's doing us a fucking yeah. favor oh my God. so that is that is the behavior <laughs> to look out for but also okay, the the, okay. the more successful you get the the bar for being thought of as nice gets lower and lower some, some years ago there was a circumstance um due to a chain of events the singer Jake Bug, remember him? Yep. Um, performed an acoustic set in our toilet in our old house. What? <laughs> for, for a radio show I was doing. Okay, amazing. So there were producers and engineers and stuff. <laughs> on his way in, he sort of doesn't quite make eye contact with people. He goes, oh, you're all right. And then on his way out, he goes, thanks a lot, bye. After the door closed, everyone goes, he was so lovely, wasn't he what? nice? And that is because people... Just just the fact that he said thank you and goodbye, oh that is how low the bar is for a successful musician in terms of being nice to people. Right. I think it's a bit different if you're a comedy performer and writer, but not that different. So within two years, you can be bare minimum civil to people. <laughs> but we're going to be keeping our eye on you. Please. Yeah. And yeah. We, want you, we want you to stay this delightful. That's going to require a lot of work, but you're going to do that work. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it, guys. I'm, taking it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. You are going to do it. <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to ask you the, the show. So it's not autobiographical, but you do mine your own life and that of your sister, Lizzie, who co-stars as your sister in the show. I wanted to know, are there any family members that you are already sensing it has made them uncomfortable, you being this candid about your own experiences? Are there family members who, who don't quite know what to say to you? Well, it's, it's really, it's just me, my mum, my sister. And then, like, we're a strange family. Mm. And, like, mum's very bohemian and cool with pretty much all of this. And, like, after I told her the series got commissioned, I sat down with her and interviewed her about some of the worst things that have happened to us. And so she said, have free reign. So she's not fussed. I think she's just like, I don't care what you That's do. So... Just be successful. <laughs> like, I think she's so happy I've got Lizzie out of the house and working. Like... <laughs> She's just, she'll do anything at this Opportunities point. Opportunities for yeah, the family exactly. come for you. Yeah. With your sister, where where was she at when you were like, I sold this thing, you're going to be in it? Was any part of you just sort of like, fuck you, I'm the funny one. Like you fucking stay I, in I did, lane. yeah. I, I did, well, yeah, but I was like, so much of her story is so rich and like I wanted to draw on it so much that I just thought it should be her and she is genuinely the funniest person like ever. So I wanted to include her and it was like a very good day when I called her and told her about it. Oh my um, goodness. But she was like miserable. She was like working at London Dungeon, like yeah. and Shrek Adventure. Does she act? Is she interacting with the public? In interacting with the public, yes, yeah, so acting. I never saw her dungeon because I was too scared. Mm. But I did go to see her in Shrek Adventure, and she was Cinderella, and she actually won Shrek's funniest cast member. So, wow! Yeah, but that is something. That's yeah. not nothing. <laughs> no. That's charisma. Yeah. So she she is an actor. Yes, but I think she kind of gave up. She was just feeling like, this is the cap on what I can do. I don't know what more I can do with myself. And the answer was nepotism. No, was... <laughs> <laughs> how, how did 
did you get this show away? Because presumably, you know, you're like, like everyone else, you're hustling, you're trying to get projects, you've got like a top drawer full of scripts. How did this one end up landing? I wrote a different script with my friend Cameron and then I was having generals and but I had this idea for one and like I'd had that Gen- generals just are the meetings that just you have with people. people it's like getting yeah. to know you maybe yeah, we could do let's something have a together talk. Yeah. I never know how yeah. to read those meetings and it was during lockdown as well so like they were on Zoom yeah and then I was like kind of had the secret one in the back of my head that I wanted to like talk about with someone and then I'd written a draft of it like in secret um, and so I knew what I wanted it to be and then I had to like sort of convince other people to come along with me on that so then I wrote yeah the pilot and and how did it feel that like other things you've tried to get off the ground how did it feel different to those things I don't know I just think there's a trend for like people really want authentic trauma stories Uh and like I wanted to do a character that's obsessed with her own trauma and hoping bad things happen to her so she's got something to talk about so yeah it just felt like I was trying to tap into, like, and make fun of, like, the BBC's obsession with that authenticity. Yes, yeah. You know? And I need to ask a question that I know is in my wife's brain, otherwise you won't be able to move on. Oh. How, how is Cameron doing? He's good, yeah, he's great. So this is Cameron who you were writing another script with? And then yeah, that, no, that yeah, one. we're still doing that one. It's, it's oh, okay, okay, it's okay, okay. Yeah, okay. He's like my best friend. You've not abandoned worry. Cameron. No, 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 no. He's him. read okay. all these scripts. He goes through all the ones with me and like he's, yeah, a genius. Good, so. good, good, good. No, he's fine. <laughs> no, I was just sort of thinking about like how we both work in comedy, but I yeah. do more of the performance end of it. And you've sort of leaned into the writing. And like, as you're saying, everyone has their idea that they're trying to get away. And it's like, no one ever fucking gets it away. And then when they get it away, it tends to be because they've had some kind of social media something. And I just, I was just saying something's happened to like an Edinburgh show or or something that's given you a bit of heat. And it just, it just feels nice. It feels like you wrote something really fucking good. (laughs) And then they went, all right, that seems better than the other shit we've seen. Let's make it. And that's like, I'm jealous of you. And also that's a wonderful, like that makes me feel good about TV. Doesn't feel like an accurate version of the story to you. She can't compliment herself yeah, in that yeah, way, yeah. but you worked hard and something nice happened. I guess so. Yeah. I did. I wrote loads of drafts of, and lots of different pilots over the year. And I was like, just hoping one would go. Are you a very disciplined worker? Uh, yeah. I don't have a life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm see- I mean, when you were just talking about some of how you were working in lockdown. Yeah. That's where you went, was like turning out a bunch of scripts. Just dissociated. I was just on my laptop the whole time. Oh. Like, so, so how does it go for you? What time do you wake up? Well, when I was writing this show, I was so stressed. So I get myself up really, really, really early. Like, well, you've got a kid, so I feel like no, it's no, no, a no, different, no, no, different no, frame but, of reference. But what, so what time? Like, what's, were you up at like five? And Not write? five, no. Because, yeah, this is the thing. Seven. I'm going to be like annoyed. Yeah, like someone like seven. Okay. And then so, I so you wake to... up and, and does the laptop come out straight away? Or are you doing stuff before you start writing? I can't write in my house. So I have to go out. At the time, I was living with my, my friend Alex, my flatmate. But like, we couldn't work together in the same flat. So. Is, it, is this an Alex problem? <laughs> no, she, she'll be listening, so I'm not going to say a word. Um, <laughs> so, so where do you go then? Um, I, they Luckily, Val, the production company, used to have this like really rickety building in Soho. That was like me, Mawan, and then like a couple of other writers would just be in different rooms like all the time. And like we would just sleep in the office and like it was really cool. But for Like the a months, little writer's commune? Yeah, it was kind of like a commune, yeah. Was it Ramshackle? Yeah, Ramshackle, all the stairs were all wonky. And wow. like, and what was on the walls? My room, was, I just filled with post-its. I'll show you a picture in a minute, but it was just like, you couldn't see anything. And like, Michelle would always be like, you okay? Because it like, looked like a beautiful <laughs> So you got all the post-it notes with like uh, characters and, yeah. and plot lines and scenes. Exactly. And so, wow. Yeah, I had like 
different colours for different characters and then just built them out across all the walls. And so it looked really weird. And are you at a desk or are you laying on a sofa? A desk. I need to have an uncomfy chair. Uh Aha. That's that's why we gave you that uncomfy chair. Yeah. Yeah. I can't have a comfy chair or I'm sleepy. And you don't have any tricks for like, I set a timer for 20 and then I... I wish. Oh, no, don't wish. I have a controversial thing to say. It's really fucking... Go on. Judgmental and dark, I think. Tell us. But I think that... Ooh. I think that people who achieve at a certain level, which you have to understand and take in that you're doing. Okay. Like, they don't need tricks. So I can feel like... I I don't know. I've known some very successful people who are... uh, basically like children who who have a producer but really what that producer is is a head teacher um i'm not talking about people who don't need deadlines i'm talking about i used to write never at your level but like that's what i was like trying to do and and it was it was a battle for me always Mm -hmm. i was just looking on facebook i could never hyper focus and people who who ultimately can kind of do this other thing that you have to be able to like click into a fifth and sixth yeah, but, gear. But, and those people, Kat, don't need things. It's just in them but, to but do as, it. But as, as an observer, not a doer, it seems that writing a book is a miserable experience. And writing a sitcom, while it's not easy, is fun or, or can be fun. Uh, the, like, um, it's nice when someone reads it and it's like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but the rest of it, I'd say, is excruciating. Yeah. But, you're, I... but, you're right, but is that true when you're writing with a partner, like when you're writing with uh, your collaborator, Cameron? Because yeah. you, you chose to write this one on your own. I did, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and typically, certainly these days, people will write in uh, in a pair or sometimes mm. with a room. Why, why did you force yourself into that then? I don't know. I went and I wrote script on my own and then it just sort of came about that way. Like, Kat, you're powerful. You have so much power. Thanks. <laughs> Don't you think? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I I only I do things because I crave the approval of others. So like yeah, but, well, any know. sitcom plot, it's like I'm texting it to my friend. Like, do you like this? And then it'll, you know, or I'm texting to Lizzie. Yeah, and, you... and how often are the people you text in saying, I don't like it? And do uh, that's, you... I, I, I ask for that. But are, are you then sort of turning your friends into a focus group? Like how, how sure, when you think something's good, how sure are you? Oh, that's good. If someone told me they didn't like it, and if I really liked it, I'd probably be like, I'm going to show someone else first before I delete it. But like, if I like something, I will really give it a go before Uh I chuck it away. What has been the most exciting version of like, whenever I fantasized about writing a sitcom Mm -hmm. or any kind of TV, the idea that you'd like write a thing (laughs) and then go to a set and there'd be the thing that you've written (laughs) there. What is the most exciting or extreme version of that that you've experienced? Oh, God. I did a panel and I was there with um, my friend, do you know Gareth Gwynn? And he was like, be careful, because like one day you're going to stop, like you're going to look up and realise the set's been built and it's done. (laughs) Right. And I was like, okay. And it was funny because it was true. I got to say, and I was like, oh, fuck, we've got to do it now. And like my face is on it. Um, So it is very bizarre. But like getting to walk into the family house or getting to see your bedroom. That was weird. Yeah. That was very strange. I think because I was an exec, I was sent everything. So I knew. But it was weird walking in and like having a fake toilet that didn't flush and stuff. Like that was weird. I, yeah. I once accidentally shat in a show home where the toilet wasn't connected, and I had to retrieve it what? with an uh, turn a carrier bag inside out. Oh my god! Like with picking up dog poo. Yeah, and then finish up my conversation with this estate agent, knowing that I had a bag of shit, bag of my own shit, and it was it was like I had a murder weapon. You know, it was just. <laughs> Worst experience. <laughs> oh my god! Sweating. 
That's really good. Um, so you're an executive producer on the show as well. Yeah. So have you felt a financial shift? No, 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 nothing, 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 layout and none of the things I knew <laughs> I'm going to drag the show back in oh, yes, no yes, one mind. Sure. I'm going to yeah. drag it back in um, Simon Bird directed it he directed yeah. all of it right yeah he did we had a different director for the pilot and then Simon came in to do the rest he felt the same that I did in that like the jokes are the priority because I, I was on this crusade of like I'm so sick of sentimental nice stuff and I don't really care about telling my story I care about making things that are funny yes and he was like that's what I want to do as well yeah she'll like, just tell the story inevitably by doing that I think so yeah without, without being cloying yeah is it uh, is it respectful of your boundaries to ask you about being sectioned no you can go ahead because okay, uh, it wondered, is respectful of yes, your boundaries I wondered if we could compare mental hospital stories sure so this was something that happened to you in lockdown yeah it's happened a couple of times actually mm-hmm. So where about you? I was once in for two or three weeks, but the moment I always think about is my mum and dad. So I'd have been about your age at this point, maybe a little bit younger, but my mum and dad coming to visit Mm. and not really know what to do with it and getting permission to take me for a ride around in the car. (laughs) Like this adult (laughs) being taken for a ride in his pyjamas. How close were you when when it happened with your parents? You know, close. My Mm. my dad is uh, emotionally unavailable, but like practically present. My mum was very emotional, but they they are also yeah quite. My mum was stereotypically yeah. sort of working class northern people mm. for whom frank conversations about mental health weren't, weren't part of their experience <laughs> up until me developing my issues. <laughs> Have I got a show for you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me more. I remember like shuffling up to the little hatch to get my medication of a morning. Yeah, yeah, and and. Almost feeling like I was performing being a mental patient, even though I was, I in fact, a mental patient. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. I completely know what you mean. Yeah. And, like, I had that when I was like, did you ever play, like, table tennis outside, like, with one of the nurses? Yeah, that, like, that oh, kind I'm of thing. Yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm an indie film <laughs> from 2010. <laughs> Do you have a sign that you have within yourself where you think, I should let someone know I'm getting to this place? Or, like, does your sister or your mom observe something and go, we're going to... I probably wouldn't tell them, yeah, I was on my own. Because um, this was the whole thing. You, you Part part of the birth of this show was you and your sister kind of confessing these different things to each other. Totally. Yours was that you'd been sectioned in lockdown. Yeah, yeah, and I hadn't told anyone. Yeah. Does it look like they'll be doing... The, the reaction has been so positive. Does it look like they'll be doing more? I hope so. I don't know. Okay, that's what you've got. That's what you can say right now. Yes, you hope yeah. so. Okay. <laughs> if you had to put a percentage on how far down the line you are with that. I've thought about it a bit. Okay. Um, before we let you go, can you tell us what you've been watching at the moment? Oh, I'm making my sister go back through Nathan Few. We haven't watched it. What are you doing? I know. We are watching The Curse at the moment. And is he is good? so great. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Really oh, you'll love it. Good. You'll really love that. Oh, really? But Nathan for you is, I mean, that that is a, a huge gap for us, isn't it? You it's, have to watch it. It's an excellent thing that keeps coming up. It's kind of timeless as well. So he's a little genius, isn't he? I think he's a genius. I think we have good jibe with her. 
Yeah. I think they, they were very good with young people. I think that too, but I'm wondering if, if they just, um, if they're being nice to us out of pity. No, I think when we talk to a young person, they, they want us to adopt them. Oh, I mean, that is so arrogant to think that, but I, I hope that that's true. I hope they come into our house and go, this would be a nice family to be a part of. Yeah, we're, we're her new mom and dad. I mean, that would have made me a very, very young mother. I could have physically done it. I was menstruating by the time she was born. A gym slip mother. But it would have been illegal for someone to fuck me, unless they were like also a kid. Your brother, Sam, has emailed in. Happy New Year, Sam. Happy New Year. If you ever find yourself in Chicago and you're hungry, look out. He, he, he sells sandwiches off the back of a van and they're, <laughs> they're very good. So look out for his van, which is called the Fat Shallot. Uh, S- Sam says, hi, it's your brother, Sam. I was spurred to write in following your discussion of Ms. Piggy. She is fine. I would take that Muppet to outer space. She checks my boxes and always has. We're out there, some of us. We spoke about her as the unfuckable Muppet. It came up because I have a lot of Miss Piggy to me. So this is also my brother expressing the fact that he finds me sexually desirable. Next email comes from Sophie Harris. Sophie writes... Hi, guys. I was thinking about a question you asked a few weeks ago about which TV character we feel the most kinship with. And mine would be a cross between Kendall Roy and here she is again, Miss Piggy. I genuinely do go from melancholy self-absorption to hi I'm starting to wonder if like, you know how all women think that they're Rizzo from Greece? Mm. I wonder if like all women sort of think that they're a bit Miss Piggy. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe. Maybe. Then I was thinking how I related strongly to Ross from Friends when I was younger, particularly the teenage Ross playing music in his bedroom. And then I thought, wait, are Kendall and Ross slightly different versions of each other? Is Roman a bit Chandler, etc.? Okay, that's it for now. Love, Sophie. Neither of us are big Friends people. I've I've never seen a full episode of Friends, but it's so omnipresent that I, I get the impression Ross is a bit drippy mm-hmm. and chandler is kind of sarcastic yep that sounds right so maybe mm. i like that i think that there's something in it for you sophie and um what was that one what's the one that um tina fey and ricky gervais are in that Muppet oh, muppets most wanted i think it's muppets most wanted where miss piggy has a really great moment where she distracts an evil Miss Piggy by saying there's an omelet station behind her. It's one of my favorite comic moments for Miss Piggy. I love an omelet station. Do you? Are you truly Miss Piggy? This comes from Sarah Sufi, who says, As someone who came to Succession late, I feel like I missed out on the hype. Any chance you guys will have any more Succession episodes, especially considering the amount of Emmys it's up for? Well, first of all, just hearing you read that now... It sounds like we made this email up. <laughs> you know, like, well, someone just happened to write in. Um, this is a very real email. I never feel the need that we need to say that, but these are all real emails, as is this one. So, Sarah, how to, how to answer your question? Sorry, I think you're probably a Sarah. Um, we, um, we have a loose plan to generate some, should we call it some new succession content? Yes, that sounds appealing. New. <laughs> Sell the sizzle. Ho- homework. Sell the, the sizzle. Show. Do you guys remember that succession line when they went homework the show? That was oh, funny. Yeah. Um, new succession content. 
But imagine, um, here's here's what, here's what. We have a loose plan to, to bring ourselves back to succession in the immediate aftermath of the Emmys, okay? Because one of two things is going to happen at the Emmys. Succession will win everything and it will feel like a very appropriate time or it'll lose a bunch of stuff. And that will be fucking hilarious to me because um, we and everyone who listens to this think like nothing deserves to be in its league. And it's always funny when the best thing loses to something that's like not deserving of licking the bottom of its shoe. Like the bear, for example. Exactly. So <laughs> if the bear or like Ozark or like some other stuff takes a bunch of Emmys and succession loses, it will only be amazing. But then it will be amazing if it wins a bunch. So the answer is yes, but. And here's the but. We are fancy motherfuckers. Okay? So we have a plan on how we could give you some more succession content. But we we are not 100% sure that we can pull it off. I feel, I feel 75% sure we're going to pull it off. Do you? Yeah, they're, they're, they're removing parts. They're removing parts. So if the stars align, if you want to get back into succession world, we feel 75% sure we're going we're gonna to go on that journey with you in the second half of January. But that's, a, that's a, I think it's likely not a guarantee. So if you're going to get too upset if we cancel on you, then, then fucking go and binge now. But, but stay Stay with us for three more weeks. Also this week, Miriam Wells thinks we should watch I'm a Virgo and Elizabeth Newton-Jackson thinks we should watch After the Party, which is filmed in New Zealand. The plot is that the main woman, Penny, is convinced that her husband is a paedophile, but no one believes her. And it's not clear to us whether she's right either. Yes, Elizabeth did a very hard sell that made me think, ooh, I might need to get into it. I'm a Virgo. Miriam, thank you. And you are not the first person. You're like the fifth person who's told us to watch this. I watched half of one episode and it didn't immediately take me. But Miriam, as you're feeling like, stick with it. It really is amazing. Then maybe I'll do as I'm told. This week, I like to watch Nolly on ITVX. Sarah watched the film May, December, which is available to rent and buy now. We like to watch, and oh boy, did we like to watch it. Love Has Won, The Cult of Mother God, which is on HBO Max, which means Sky and Now here in the UK. It's so good. We're imploring you. Three episodes. Treat yourself to the mania of it. And Kat Sadler liked to watch Nathan For You on Paramount Plus and Amazon Prime. All right, everyone. We're officially into the horrendous part of the year. It's just going to be disgusting. Our lives are going to be terrible. And I don't mean Jeff and my life. I mean our lives as humans. It's just going to be horrible from now until... I'd say 15th of June if I were you. Oh, come on, April. April. Nope, Nope. And I'll tell you why. April of 2020 was great. I mean, COVID, etc. But the weather was really nice. Since then, 2021, 2022, 2023, all of those springs, all it did was rain incessantly and be cold through all of April and kind of all of May. So we're going to give over to the misery of it all. Do you think there's a wave of misery for our non-UK listeners? So, for example, if you're listening in California. Yes. 
So I, I would imagine that if you are in the southern hemisphere, New Zealand, Australia. All the non-English speaking countries. I'm not saying, I am not trying to be that, it's not even ethnocentric, but it's something bad. I am suggesting that almost all of our Southern Hemisphere listeners are Australian or New Zealander. But feel free to prove us wrong on that. Oh my gosh, yes. Are you from South or Central America or Africa or other places? I'd love to hear from you. I'm expecting a hard note. Maybe you're in Singapore. I don't know. The point is, do you feel differently? This is probably a lovely time of year for you and you start getting depressed in, I don't know, June? What about if they're listening on the French Riviera and there's a lot of sunshine, but it's not necessarily warm? Nice in February? I don't think so. So look, collectively, we're pretty sad. Here's my wish for you and my unsolicited advice. Schedule something fun in for yourself for January 28th. Okay? And that's going to make this whole month better. Just a little something to look forward to. Oh my God, I should put a wellness podcast. (laughs) Have a wonderful week. We're with you in these trying times. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.